Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone, and thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller, and today I'm joined with County Agents Dennis Burns and Mr. Arl Frazier. Hey, Hello. good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, and we also have... Um, Dr. Boyd Pageant and Dr. Trey Price with us today. And today's topic of discussion is wheat. So let's talk about it. How I guess we, we're gonna plant a lot of wheat this year, do you think? I think there's uh with the way the prices are right now, mm-hmm. you know, they're nibbling at seven dollars. I think there's gonna be increased interest in that. I've gotten a lot of calls about it, yeah. Yeah. If we if we don't have a really wet fall, <laughs> hopefully we can get the wheat in. Yeah. Yeah, that's been an issue. Yeah. It's getting getting the seed in the ground a lot of years if you don't have the right weather. Last year was the first year we'd seen a bump in acres, wasn't it? We did. We had about uh, 47,000 acres certified, and certainly based on the deteriorating growing season, we didn't get that out of the field. Um, we had a lot of uh, rain early in places, uh, lost some variety trials throughout the state due to rain. And those that made it to harvest, some of those, the rain was so bad that I know at Alexandria we had we couldn't get the OBT out until late. We did get it, but it was it had been compromised by all the rain. And that freeze. Oh yeah. Back in February. I forgot about that part, yeah. So we didn't have any vernalization problems last year. (laughs) Well I know the variety trial we had here, the freeze. You could see certain varieties it hit really bad. And then we just, ours was abandoned because we just couldn't, it just rained till it just, between what it fell, fell over, just rotted and everything else. Right. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because we took ratings on those freeze injury, the magnitude of freeze injury, and then later if those varieties came out. So growers probably need to kind of refer to that. Uh, Dr. Harrison puts out the variety performance for, God, he stresses looking at two-year data every year. I know most growers have probably booked their seed right now, but that information is available. And uh, we also have disease ratings, and, and Dr. Price will address that. Yeah, we had, a, uh, at Macon Ridge, we had a successful variety trial. I mean, we didn't get as much rain as the rest of the state. Uh, had really good yields. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but somewhere in the... 70 to 90 bushel range, depending on the varieties. Um, we took some scab notes. The scab pressure in the northeast part of the state was not as much as it was in other parts. Uh, I think we were a lot cooler um, in that area, and that had a lot to do with it. You know, the, the fungus that causes scab, is, it likes warm and wet conditions, and we had wet conditions, but we had cooler weather, and uh, I think that helped us out a lot. Um, and as far as the growers go, the growers are, are, are listening to advice from the Ag Center and, and, and others about planting resistant varieties, uh, along with timing, uh, you know, having a good fungicide application there at flowering for scale. Definitely need to budget that in if you're planning on planting wheat this fall. I know that you've got now you've got a scab nursery at making Ridge, don't you? We do. We have a and, and Boyd's got one too in Alexandria. There's one in Baton Rouge. Um, it's funded by the USDA uh, Scab Initiative Project. Yes. We uh, we had an 
inoculate the, the nursery, all the material in the, uh, this, from the breeders in the southeast is in that trial. We'll inoculate it and rate it for scab and try to find some resistant varieties and actually resistant breeding material for breeders. That's the whole purpose mm -hmm. of that project. It's, it's labor intensive, but it's, we've, we've been doing it for years and years. Oh, yeah. and, uh, even when there was 10,000 acres of wheat in the state, we were still doing it mm -hmm. because we knew the acreage, the price would come back at some point. So, Well, and I know from my growers that normally plant wheat, it's the last few years, scab has it's been one of the first questions they ask. You know, what, what, how are we going to handle scab? You know, and then of course the price, you know, kind of. You know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have those questions. No. Scab just initially, uh, probably in the last six years, yep. has probably risen to, if not the most important disease that we have to deal with facing wheat, certainly as one of the most important. And that's what kind of spawned the variety test at Baton Rouge, Macon Ridge, and Alexandria, where we plant additional rep replications of these varieties and we treat them, actually treat them with uh, a fungicide. So producers have the opportunity to go in and look at data on variety A that was treated and variety A that was not treated with the scab fungicide. So I would encourage them to, to look at the, the two-year averages. Don't, don't just stick with one year. One year can be very uh, misleading. Mm -hmm. So I think two-year data, if they can find that. Yeah, we've seen some big differences with the fungicide. With that scab application, it can make a huge difference mm -hmm. in yield and quality. It can be a And timing is everything on that, right? Yes, yeah, so you've got a five to seven day window at flowering. Mm -hmm. to get to get something out there and preferably you'd like to be able to put the application out by ground using as much water as you can. I know that's not ideal for a lot of growers but um, and that goes with any crop. If you, the more the more vol, vol, water volume you put out with a with a fungicide the, the better the performance is going to be. Well, water is your cheapest herbicide. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we do 15 gallon work Mm -hmm. It pays. It pays. <laughs> Water's your cheapest herbicide. Yeah, and, I, and I'll just put a plug in because we've, um, I think, wasn't it Wheat Note Field Day, the first one of the first field days that we recorded mm -hmm. and put out? Yep. Yeah, so if you're It'll listening and you want to, I guess, go back and watch those. On uh, our YouTube channel. Yeah, on our YouTube channel. We've got mm -hmm. um, all of Dr. Harrison's variety stuff mm -hmm. and, of course, y'all's yeah. videos as well. Um, mm -hmm. That should be two years. Two worth. years of that. Yeah, two I years think. worth. Of mm -hmm. two years all, that, worth. all that information is still relevant. Um, as far as fungicides go, the, there's there's a handful that are specifically recommended for for scab. Uh, historically, it's been what Prosaro, Caramba, Miravisace. Miravisace is kind of a new one. A Proline, the Sferix, which is BASF's new. Product. I'm not sure where they come up with these names. And there's another one too. Is it Prosaro Pro? It is. Okay. So is that just new and improved? Kind of like you know when you go to the grocery store and you see it on the shelves, it's new and improved. <laughs> I'm not. I haven't had time to look it up. I, they're brand new to me. I'm not sure. I, I believe they added something to that. Yeah. You see the stuff at the grocery store. They just take it out. They just reduce it, and instead of 12 ounces, it's now 10 ounces, but it's new. Or they change the label. Or they change just the label. Just new picture on new the label. New picture on the label. Yeah. <laughs> or the color of the liquid. Yeah, just 
just trying to get all this stuff straight. You know? <laughs> Put a little food color in it. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Let me ask this question. I'm sorry. Uh, just come to my mind. You know, last year, folks decided to plant wheat late, or at least in my area, and they were just grasping for wheat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think some of them even had to go out of state to find seed. Where are we looking at for seed this year? Is there a good variety? I mean, a good. I haven't had any reports right. on the availability, availability. or, or That's not, where not availability of seed. Uh, I did visit with Dr. Harrison, um, and he encouraged a couple of things. Plant on well-drained fields, and, you know, if you have to plant late, use a, a short maturing variety. Uh, if you plant early, don't plant an early maturing variety because of the potential for freeze injury. So. And then you get into a situation, if you plant too late, you're going to, similar to other crops, you're going to start losing yield. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, you want to kind of stay, depending on where you are, between that October 15th to November 30th, and it transitions as you go south to north. Um, just realize that when you do plant, try to stay within those recommended Windows and there's information. Actually, we sent a newsletter out. It'll be available next week in Louisiana crops that has a, information on production. You can go there. It talks about fertilizing and uh, just how to grow a wheat crop. Harrison, uh, Dr. Harrison came out with a short list of wheat varieties mm -hmm. with scab right. resistance to our four growers, and that was sent out to kind of multiple yeah. channels at some point. I saw. I remember seeing it. I think I sent it out. I hadn't seen it yet. I hadn't. I'm, Take that one step yeah. further. You know, where we having to go out of state or out of our area to buy seed, do we still need to be cautious on buying wheat that does well? And if it has not been tested in the state in your particular area, I would be very cautious about because it may perform well in another state. Well, with it, a little different environment. Arkansas is going to be different than Louisiana. That's what I'm saying. So, just because I mean, it done well there doesn't mean it's going to do no, good here. It's no. all about the latitude. It's all about the latitude. It That's is. what I'm trying to get to. It's just, yeah. you do what you have to do sometimes, but Varieties be perform differently in North Louisiana than they do down in the southwestern part of the state. Mm -hmm. So, a variety, just because a variety performs well in northeast Louisiana, a grower in the rice producing area of the state that decides that he or she wants to grow wheat, that may not be the right variety. They can get that information at the LSU Ag Center website if they go to Variety Trials and click on Wheat, and there'll be a beautiful picture of me, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you say so. That's the draw. If it doesn't scare them off, they can go into the publication and they can get all the information on performance at these various locations where wheat is tested. So, would you recommend not planting if you couldn't find the variety you need? If it's not adapted, I'm not saying it's a gamble. You don't yeah. want to plant, but I would definitely do some research mm -hmm. and and talk with uh, individuals that are very familiar with this variety. Maybe uh, uh, seedsmen that have been that that have had experience. But the first first resource should be the LSU Ag Center because we're non-biased and we have no interest. Yes. We, don't, we don't have any dogs in the hunt. Mm -hmm. And our interest is that the producer, he or she, plants the correct variety and they're going to make money. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are the biggest issue. The biggest issue for, for wheat growers is, is scale. So resistant variety, well-timed fungicide application. Other than that, you have some other um, disease issues, foliar disease issues that can pop up. You've got the rusts and um, um, septoria, things like that. Um, those are usually easily managed with the, with the fungicide if you have a problem. Most of the varieties we have now are resistant to, to all the rust. And we, we rate for rust every year, so you'll know okay. whether or not you've got mm -hmm. one that could like where there could likely be a problem. But um, a shot of generic propiconazole is just as good as some of the premium products on these rusts. Yeah. So, well, something to keep in mind there. I'm gonna shift gears here just a little bit. I know what's here in the parish, where we they had wheat and they double crop soybeans. They have got a really good soy. Yeah, of course, it's been a good year for soybeans, <clears throat> but they got a really good soybean crop behind them, too. And some of it, even though it took them two weeks to get it in, they still, I mean, is wheat matches up, especially this year, with $7 soybeans and $12 plus, I mean, $7 wheat, $12 plus soybeans, makes it a really good enterprise, mm -hmm. you know, on, mm -hmm. on, you know, if you got irrigation where you can make sure you get it, your beans. But uh, a lot of these beans I'm seeing, they never water. They got enough rain all summer. Yeah, it's a great uh, summer as far as not yeah. having to chase irrigation all summer. Yeah. So um, yeah. if you you know if you're following following your wheat crop with some, with beans, your beans are going to be later, and um, you'll probably have to deal with uh, cercospor blight. That's we usually see that in later planted beans, particularly uh, group fives and up. What you're going to see, and also something else that you may, you know, I do see this on occasion in late in later planted beans, is that you might have to make an application for soybean rust in a, in a certain year. Well, you and I talked about it here on the station. We've got a bunch of late planted beans. Yeah, and I forgot to bring you some fungicide for that. So <laughs> some of them, are, some of them are, were planted late enough. They're probably just going to be a cover crop. <laughs> yeah, but those that, those would be my yeah. Those would be my initial thoughts on, on beans following wheat, and um, I would think the uh, one of the biggest concerns would be in the entomology wheelhouse with the number of problems that you can have there. Yeah, red bandits. But this has yeah. been a light year for red bandits so so far. So I mean, uh, it hasn't been just we haven't had the number. We've had to spray some fields, but we haven't had the numbers to. In fact, I think my the fields I've recommended spraying were more for green or browns than red bandits. They, there were some red bandits out there, but they weren't at threshold. I guess a nice storm knocked yeah. them back. So, Callie, we still got time? Yeah, you got, okay. you got yeah. another question? Oh yeah, I got another question. Well, let's go. I mean, we got- Well, something we, about the double crop beans okay. though, coming back behind wheat, they need to realize that if it pushes them late mm -hmm. and planting their wheat crop, they need, the varieties are gonna be more important they want, to, they want to plant maybe a short season variety so that yeah. it tillers and tours out like a chip. That's a good point. That is a good point, yeah. Be selective in what you, if you, and most of the guys that I know that, that that's their first, first thought is I'm gonna plant wheat and then I'm gonna double crop. And you can see by where they, most of them put it where they can irrigate. Mm -hmm. I would encourage producers in the future, and I know it may be too late this year, but if they know they're gonna double crop wheat, or at least have some inclination, if they go ahead and select their varieties with that in mind and book that variety, mm -hmm. you know, as we, we're talking now, most of the varieties have been booked. 
Yeah. So uh, that way they may make a few more dollars. Well, that's what it's all about. Christmas time. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay, we're gonna switch gears here since we have our two eminent peanut people here in the class. We have Doctor <laughs> Peanut, one, and we we have Doctor Peanut over here. He's our he is our state peanut specialist. Raise your hand, boys. You're it. We're, we're talking about you. And then we got Trey over here, who's just—he's—he's he's all into this. What is white mold? He oh, likes, white, he likes white mold. Yeah. He's Doctor Peanut. I learned from the peanut specialist. Oh, boys are ever do ruin the stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got peanuts here on the station, and and um, RL's got growers up in Madison and East Carroll, and they're Morehouse, Washtenaw, Richmond. So, I mean, we we just kind of we got the peanuts here on the station. And we got, I don't know what we're going to make. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't either. Um, this year is the first year I ever tried to grow peanuts. I remember you grew them years ago at Macon Ridge. Yeah, you used a sweet potato digger. Mm -hmm. Everyone came out and grabbed the peanut and went and boiled them. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got, uh, the growers funded us through the National Peanut Board. Uh, you know, there are a handful of peanut growers we have in the state wanting some work done with um, fungicide efficacy trials and the plant growth regulator is sold in some states as Apogee in other states it's uh, sold as kudos and the, of course the fungicide efficacy works pretty straightforward. Uh, we don't have really good, we have some white mold in our test on the stations but they're, uh, when we plant them back in the same spot next year we'll definitely have some good pressure and we'll be able to separate those fungicide treatments out uh, timing and treatment. So. Um, but the, the, the idea behind the growth regulator is, is row definition and there may be some yield benefits to that too, but it, it was explained to me that the, when, you, when the growers are digging the peanuts, they can't see the rows because the peanuts kind of get flat. Well, the growth regulator makes, makes those rows peak stand up, up peak up, yeah, yeah hmm. peak up, that's a good, uh, you know, I call it row definition, whatever you want to call it. And it works. Yeah. Uh, we, and we've got some on-farm trials where we have the, the growth regulator and some fungicide treatments. And um, our first grower is digging next week. So we're going to, when they dig, we're going to go through and score white mold, of course, and get the uh, fungicide efficacy. And I've already scored the row definition by going through and rating the row definition. Uh, next thing's yield. And um, we have bowl buggies with with a scale on it. We're gonna to try to borrow that from our cotton corn and grain sorghum specialist and, and do the best we can to get some yields on those large plots on three farms in the state. Um, and then at the station, we're gonna dig them with a sweet potato digger and get a bunch of people. <laughs> get, get some strong backs out there. <laughs> I was hoping that here on the station we would limit our thing to like one foot, you know. You gotta go a little longer than that, but I'm thinking 10 feet within a plot. That's a long way. <laughs> I know. But you know, that growth regulator would be interesting because uh, when I was in Georgia, they had a, a variety called GK7. It's very old. But it had a predominant main stem, and growers can line their digger up on that. If they get off, you can imagine they start to lose mm -hmm. peanut mm -hmm. because it, it clips them as they're digging, so it's important to stay on the on the road. On the road. So guidance isn't a, I mean, I'm talking because I don't know anything about peanuts, but mm. using 
I don't know. That's I would expect answering. that would be one solution. Yeah. I think, so. I okay. think, it, I think okay. it does help. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, no, we had Daniel, Dr. Daniel Stevenson came and we did a week here on the station. He had a weed control thing. And probably the hardest thing for me to grasp was, it, what was it, 14 days? You remind me, Ariel. 14 days after we, after they were up, we sprayed them with bromoxone? Yep. Yeah. Burn them to the ground. Just, no, we didn't burn them to the ground. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I mean, you had to, we added. Bassi- Why is that for? We had Bassagran. Somehow, the Bassagran siphons the gramoxone for the peanut. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's a common practice to spray over in the southeast straight gramoxone. I just know and, the first uh, year Daniel recommended that. I just. You used to call it. Star, <laughs> I drawled up. It's called yeah. Starfire. The point, you, you don't spray. After they flower, because you don't want to knock the blooms off. Well, it's, it's cracking the flower, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it was 14 days. I remember it was 14. We waited 14 days. Right. After they came up. And if I'm not mistaken, that was that was discovered by accident. What I was told, I believe, is there was a researcher at Auburn told his crew to go out and spray the alleys. <laughs> and he sprayed the alleys, and they kept growing. Okay. And the that weeds were dead. Yeah. I got. I'll, I'll say now. After you, you know, you got, over the, you got over the initial shock of putting it out. I mean, it cleaned the field up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it did a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, man, Daniel was very specific about the rate too. We had to be right on with our rate. Well, he, his father's a peanut grower, so mm-hmm. he has a wealth of knowledge about just general. He should be Doctor Peanut. Yeah, he should. If y'all vote him Dr. Peanut, he can be Dr. Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have no problem with that. Yeah. We're, my, just, we're just ignorant on this side of the table. Yeah, I don't believe that. One of the things I've learned is rotation is key in peanut production. and, and uh, You don't want to follow, follow soybeans with peanut because the same fungus that causes white mold causes southern blight and, and soybean. So... Uh, most of our growers are on a, a like a, I'd say a three-year rotation. Yeah. So that's what's recommended, which is, which is great. Um, and that kind of goes into some of the the uh, early and late late lease spots that you know we don't really have a massive amount of peanuts in the state, so we don't have the the foliar disease issues that they do in Georgia and maybe even Arkansas and right. Mississippi. So it's not necessary for you to go on a spray schedule. Um, for those foliar diseases, uh, our biggest, about the only disease issue for us is white mold. Yeah, that and limrock. Yeah. Did, did yeah. I read right somewhere, like over in that part of the country, they are losing acres to, to disease issues over there. They're not planting as many peanuts because they're having to fight that that much disease issue. Yeah, and those those leaf spots, they've got fungicide mm-hmm. resistance and, and those pathogen populations, and they're a, mm-hmm. a major yeah major concern. Especially in Georgia, I know in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if I recall right, that I've seen foliar disease in peanut one maybe two times, and it was because of delayed digging due to excessive rains. Mm-hmm. But during the normal course of the growing season, I have never seen any leaf spot diseases. So, mm-hmm. like Dr. Price said, I would not be concerned with. Now we'll come out and look if you suspect there's a lot of 
There are a lot of spots on peanut that look like mm -hmm. leaf spot. Mm -hmm. It's well, Herbicides, yeah, a lot of herbicides. So, spots. you know, usually that starts down in the canopy. If you don't see, if you see spots up in the upper canopy and no defoliation in the lower canopy, it's not going to be. Okay. Well, it, I mean, I think it's a good because of the road. It's a good all. You got to have sandy ground. It's which here along the river we have good sandy ground. Not a, we're not everywhere with it, but it's a good alternative, potential yeah. alternative crop. Mm -hmm. well, I you mean, know. they were grown on, well, I won't say large acreage, but here in Tensile Parish. Yeah, we've had them here in Tensile. We have. Yeah. It's an I excellent guess. rotation for uh, Southern Road, Route 992. Well, we have, we have it's those. The only, it's the only rotation option it's, for Southern yeah. Route 992. Well, we, we have those. We're, we're blessed with Southern Route 992. Other than resistant varieties. Yeah. What's been amazing to me this past spring was the resilience of the peanut. You know, I called you. We had some that went underwater. I'm talking underwater <laughs> for a day. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. And they look great. Now, water got on, water got off, but mm -hmm. still. Now, you mentioned resilience, though. Something that we can avoid is when you plant your crop. I would encourage growers to plant when the conditions are, let me just say this, don't plant with, in cold soils. They don't like it. Uh, I've seen and I've been to fields where the, the stand emerged very slow or the plants emerged very slow. They did get established, but by the time they got established, the ones that were planted later, they were all about the same growth stage. Kind of like cotton. Yeah. Planting somebody jump out there and plant on April 15th, and then the person that planted them first couple of weeks of May crops at the same mm -hmm. level. Yeah, they all picked the same yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, guys. Well, we thank y'all so much for being here with us today, and we'll have you back on again, I'm sure. So, we'll thank y'all. So yeah, thanks for having us. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.